0: You are listening to the No Formula Podcast, episode number 11. From quitting their jobs and surviving off peanut butter to getting over $500,000 in funding, Guillaume Hervé, Patrick Saint-Amand, and Jonathan Magoon founded Zetane, a better means to showcase AI work. After years of hard work, they recently moved into an office space and are excited to help more AI teams bring their projects to life. In this episode, the team discusses the technology they developed, how they validated the concept, and tips on how to get funding. Visit Zetane.com to find out how to work with Guillaume, Patrick, and Jonathan. In the meantime, continue listening to hear great advice for new entrepreneurs, like why you need to get rid of your safety plan in order to succeed.
1: The No Formula Podcast offers a glimpse into the lives of real entrepreneurs who possess a variety of experiences and backgrounds. Through raw conversations, learn about their passions, journeys, setbacks, and milestones. Join host Laura L. Bernhardt as she confirms that there is in fact no formula to success. Get inspired and stay motivated throughout your entire journey. Subscribe today.
0: Hello everyone from Zetane. Thank you for joining me today.
2: It's uh, great to be here. Hi. Hi.
0: Hello, hello. So today we actually have three guests with us and I was just thinking let's go around the table so everyone can introduce themselves and uh, tell us about your role at Zetane.
2: Sure, I'll, I can start. So my name is uh, Guillaume. I'm uh, I'm the uh, the the co-founder and uh, and CEO of of Zitain. So uh, in in a typical startup, I guess uh, the role of CEO kind of covers several things, uh, not just sort of the business, but the finance and the uh, admin and the uh, sales and marketing aspects. Uh, trying to get all that organized, you know, with the help of Jonathan and uh, and Patrick. And um, yeah, I come from a background of uh, high tech, so I've been in high tech, specifically in the modeling, simulation, and visualization space for well, a big part of my career, and uh, have been involved with startups uh, for probably seven, eight years now in the Montreal ecosystem. So places like Founder Fuel and Techstars and District Three and the CTS, and I'm missing a couple. Where I've worked with entrepreneurs specifically in the high tech or, uh, or medical space. And, uh, and one day, outside of that actual ecosystem, I met the team Patrick and Jonathan, and we made a go of, of Zetane.
0: Awesome. And, and Jonathan.
3: My background is as a full stack engineer. Uh, so at Zetane, I'm my title is the chief architect. and that means a lot of talking with customers. Uh, working on the product and trying to deliver a great product that people get a lot of value out of. I've worked in startups for a few years now, and I went through um, Techstars Boulder back in 2016, so I'm familiar with a lot of their methodologies at my previous company. Before that, I was at a big company at Xerox, so I'm happy to be in a startup.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and Patrick?
4: Yeah, hi. So, um, I'm the co-founder and CTO of Zetane. My background is uh, pretty mathematical. I'd say I did a bachelor in maths and physics and also went to the master, did, did computer science and mathematics. Then I went at the PhD level in category theory, which is abstractions of abstractions in mathematics but really this was my kind of academic life on the side. All my spare time went to working on the foundations of mathematics. I was kind of looking for a way to represent represent all concepts with the same language. I realized that there was a lot of ways to do things and present things. I wanted to find those kind of atoms of concepts and build a unified language for mathematics and science. So I worked on that a lot, maybe a a few times overnight and- uh, A math problem, right? Yeah, really mad stuff, you know.
3: <laughs> and, uh, Patrick has called it his math problem before. Yeah, yeah, it,
4: it is. Yeah, it can be seen as a problem sometimes, but it's uh, getting better. And uh, yeah, so I worked on that, and I came up with kind of a system, and I guess from then on there's a kind of a longer story. If you want me to go on with this one, but
0: uh, yeah, of course, tell us some more.
4: Well, I mean, so with the language, I realized that it needed to be implemented. And uh, because I realized it could be applied to 3D uh, meshes, 3D objects, and different other domains. So I made a prototype, uh, a program uh, for a prototype for this. And then uh, that's kind of the pre-Zetane. And then um, I met Guillaume and, uh, and John. And then we realized that uh, we had something there that we could create like a universal engine and at the same time the um, kind of the new powerful technology which are uh, neural networks came along with uh, came came at a point where they're really mature and we realized that that with the language and the neural networks there would be a pretty impressive synergy where uh, we could do a lot from there so that's how things came along.
0: Before we get into Zatine and what it's all about how did you guys meet?
2: Well, I, uh, yeah, I'll start, I guess, so, uh, you know, my, my introduction to Patrick was uh, uh, via my wife. So as I said, I was heavily involved in the, uh, in the uh, startup uh, ecosystem here in Montreal, but I had not run into uh, Patrick or Jonathan. Uh, Patrick was doing his own thing and uh, having a full-time job uh, as, a, as a professor at a uh, local, uh, local college. And uh, one day, my wife came home and said, "Look, I met this guy, Patrick, and he's a nice guy, and he has this great idea." And I told him that you helped uh, startups, <laughs> and so uh, so my wife kind of said, "I promised you'd kind of help him, so could you kind of help him?" <laughs> and so uh, so my wife, being my wife, I said, "Yeah," and uh, I ended up meeting Patrick subsequently. And uh, she was going to meditate meditation and uh, sort of Buddhist meditation. Uh, uh, sort of a, a center where Patrick was and heavily involved and so I went to a couple of sessions we met up. He uh, showed me talked to me about his ideas and uh, he showed me his prototype that he actually had coded on a on his computer and uh, I said, okay I'll help you So uh, that led to uh, a coffee uh, every couple of weeks where we'd meet at a you know at a chapters or a Starbucks or a local coffee shop. And I sort of guide him along, so it was really just uh, sort of a friendly uh, help that I was giving. And eventually, that led to Patrick saying, "You know, I'd really like to start a business with this. With you know? Could you get involved more significantly?" Which, uh, which is what sort of led to me getting involved with Patrick. And I knew that he uh, he was very fond of uh, of uh, Jonathan and thought highly of him technically and as a person. So. Uh, I said, well, okay, if you have a, this Jonathan guy, which I never met. The first time I met Jonathan was by phone or by Skype, I think, Jonathan. And, uh, you know, we had a good chat. You know, I felt that Jonathan was was genuine and had good values. And, you know, I, because I've seen so many startups and I've been involved on the investment side as well, you know, in the world of VCs, uh, venture caps, we, we always said that, you know, you invest in the team first and in the technology second. Mm-hmm. and uh, and I felt that Jonathan and Patrick were very strong in their respective backgrounds and uh, complementary to what I could bring, you know, and so that was very important to me, and uh, years ago when I left the corporate world, I had decided that I would only work with people that I wanted to work with, that I could, you know, that I would value, have fun, and, and respect, and uh, they came across as two people that fit that description very well. So that led to uh, to the formal partnership of, of the Zotain co-founders.
0: That's awesome. Out of curiosity, how long did it take from you meeting Patrick to actually thinking that, okay, this is good, good for a company?
2: That's a good question. Uh, I would say that uh, I started, I think it was in two steps. The first step was getting a real sense of, of the technology, but more importantly, its application to real-world problems. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Patrick is an extremely uh, extremely intelligent person who sees the world differently than you and I. I think he sees the world in 3D or maybe 4D for that matter. And so he was able to verbalize a vision well beyond just the engine. Mm -hmm. so that appealed to me and so the first thing I did is I introduced him to uh, you know a very strong uh, intellectual property firm here in Montreal that I knew well and I said let's validate that this technology you know really is different so that let's not invest a lot of time and energy and effort only to find out that everybody else is doing it and and, you know and, and you're infringing something
5: yeah
2: and so we did that and that really helped I mean we 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 we, we impressed the uh, RIP uh, firm enough that uh, they wanted us enrolled in their, in, their, uh, in their startup program. So that was very good. Uh, and so that was step one. I think step two for me was when Patrick said, You know, I, I'd like to make a business of this. I said, Well, that means you'd be willing to quit your current job you know, are you willing to quit your job and, and, and just dive into this? Cause at some point that's what it's going to take. You can only go part-time so long in, in the mm-hmm. high tech world. Uh, and so, you know, he, he thought about it and he came back to me and he said, you know, if, if you're willing to be the CEO, I'm willing to quit and, 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 and just dive in. So that was the uh, you know, so that to me was the sort of second phase that in my head I said, well, you know, it's uh, I, I believe in the tech, I believe in Patrick and I'm, And I believe in what Jonathan brings to the table as well and he was willing to quit his job and they can tell their own story and and so to me that was the test right either you commit or you don't
0: yeah
2: Um, and so having seen a lot of startups and a lot of startups fail and several succeed I went that is a very you know those are the two ingredients I trust the technology I trust the longer-term vision and ahead of the technology I trust the team even more so so uh, to me that was uh, those
3: were the good indicators
0: Yeah, John or Patrick, do you want to add to about your story?
3: I met Patrick through a meditation center. I really need to
0: go to this meditation center.
3: (laughs) uh... (laughs) Well, you're close.
2: You're in a closet on a cushion, so you're halfway.
0: (laughs) No one needs to know that, okay, (laughs) (laughs) Guillaume? This is not calming in here. (laughs) sorry John
3: Sorry, John. oh yeah no problem Uh, so so I met Patrick um, he came out here for some of the retreats that we've had in Denver and I have visited Montreal for some of the retreats in Montreal so meditation retreats that we've had and when Patrick was out here he we started talking about math and technology and he actually showed me the prototype as well talked a little bit about the concepts behind what he was working on and what he was thinking about it was really Really interesting to me, um, both like Yom said, both the technology and the vision of where Patrick saw what was kind of a, you know, it's like a, a fundamental set of ideas, but but the potential applications for the ideas were really broad and really general and um, really novel. I thought seeing some of the the stuff that the prototype could do from just very simple implementation. For example, uh, generating a series of fractals based on two or three rules that were repeated uh, continuously and, and generating these like massive, fascinating structures from basically nothing. It was just really, it was really cool to see. And then to to talk about all the potential places where it could be applied was also really interesting. So Patrick and I uh, kept talking about it I also learned about Guillaume, how much value he was able to bring to the company. And uh, at a certain point, like Guillaume said, we, we decided that to go all in on the project and not just do this thing where we work on nights and weekends, but actually uh, put our, our chips on the table, I guess, so,
0: so yeah. I I know you guys have been working at this for a while, but when did you guys go all in?
3: So I, I quit my job, my full-time job in my last company in February, of 2018 so almost exactly two years ago
0: oh i didn't realize it was that long actually
3: yeah, yeah I, I think was... we were like
4: um for a couple maybe six seven months it was basically me and john working and we had the omar part-time
5: mm-hmm.
4: and um at some point yeah i had also quit my job which is uh, i was teaching which is a really really nice job it's really fun
5: teaching mm-hmm
4: but uh, I, he cannot have both. He cannot have a, a fun startup and fun teaching. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so that one of them had to go. And, uh, and the thing is that when you, I kind of have this thing that when I start something, I make sure I finish it. So I had starting this project. So to me, I had to finish it and teaching is never finished. So that's, uh, that's okay.
0: <laughs> well, that's a great attitude to have. A lot of people don't finish their projects. So I'm asking this because, it's all led up to what is Zatine today and I want to ask you more about what is that?
2: <laughs> Zatane is uh, you know is a team of people now that uh, uh, that is building what we believe to be you know the first true uh, uh, software that provides uh, you know very transparent and accessible insights into machine learning and deep learning uh, and uh and does so in a you know based on the technology that's our own uh intellectual property so it's what a lot of companies are referred to as a deep tech company in that sense so you know so that's what it is from a business perspective i think from a from a values perspective one of the things that we did very early on was to spend a lot of time talking about what's important to us for this business outside of the financials Mm -hmm. like what how do we want to change the world and, and how do we want to impact the world and so we spend quite a bit of time on, on the values of the business around collaboration and trust and and uh, you know and uh, respect uh, so attain is also a lot of that it's a lot of the values uh, that we uh, we hire from you know we always say we hire first the values and second the, uh, the competencies and uh, and you know we've built a team that's extremely I at least in my view and the guys can chime in but that's extremely collaborative. Extremely uh, fits very well together. Uh, you know, diversified, but but brings different uh, different things to the table. So, yeah, it's it's a business, it's a tech, but it's also a group of people with very similar values and and a lot of respect around each other's contributions. That, mm-hmm. That's that's my two cents.
0: Does anyone else want to add?
4: Well, I'd say like, um, so when we hire, we always look for people that, um, I mean, there's a French word which is called débrouillard, which is uh, resourceful. Mm-hmm. So so basically, that's our, it's people that are curious and kind of are, I don't know, hands-on and they're ready to kind of explore and like have this, this enthusiasm and really open-minded. So we try to build a, a team around this and I think, uh, I guess that's what makes it really dynamic and it gives us the chance to move fast and be happy about this and having fun and discovering new things and while keeping a very good focus because that's also um, the other thing if we're too scattered and we explore too much too much curiosity needs to be sometime to be focused to towards a product that will be useful to people so we kind of mm-hmm. it's a matter of managing those to and be able to find the right balance but i think at the sources the people and the interaction that will create uh, something brilliant or something that works really well and yeah
0: just for everyone listening i kind of want to go deeper into what Zatine offers it's and correct me if i'm wrong please it's a video imaging processor for ai like machine learning
2: close but Yes. Not close enough. Okay. So uh
0: <laughs> damn it. No, yeah. so
2: no, now you've done a bit of it. you can you can tell you've done your homework. Uh so because our because our, our, our tool is so visually compelling,
5: mm-hmm. a
2: lot of people uh, first impression is oh you're a visualization engine, you know, you you you're able to you know give us great videos of what's happening in ML, but but the platform is a lot deeper than that, so it's a software tool. Uh, which allows you to uh, visualize your uh, machine learning models in a 3D environment or a 3D workspace, as we like to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it allows you to launch any of your uh, machine learning or any of your algorithms from your existing, uh, existing AI framework that people use in the industry today. And you know, with uh, uh, one line or two line, you're, you go from seeing your your, your your model in a bunch of lines of codes or libraries to seeing your model in a 3d object-oriented space where all of a sudden, uh, everything makes a lot more sense. Uh, everything is uh, accessible. So we do away with what a lot of the industry is referring to as a black box problem. We allow, you know, through the machine, you're able to go inside the layers of a machine learning uh, model and, and see everything that happens within it, uh, the data going through it, the way the machine sees and learns and interprets that data and thinks about it, and then how it generates an output. And so, we, you know, it's, it's really about opening up the black box to give developers the ability to do their work more effectively because they see things they wouldn't see otherwise. So they're more efficient at the debugging and uh, optimization. We also, because the engine is so uh, visually compelling, we create very, very high uh, fidelity simulations that allows the AI experts to talk to the business experts or the domain experts, you know, that have to bring the sort of real world uh, view of what whatever solution has to do. And so, uh, which is a big problem in the industry, uh, having the AI experts speak to the non-experts, so we are able to do that now through our platform. And the same platform, because you're able to tie the AI to the simulation, allows you to do uh, significant QA, quality assurance of uh, machine learning models, before they get deployed into the real world, where mm-hmm. if they're not properly qa they can cause problems, as, uh, as as a lot of people know. Um, and so you know the general public out there has a fear you know of ai right if you talk to the average person they're fearful of ai and so what we've done and what we're continuing to do is to open up ai to make it more visible to make it more accessible so that people can trust what's actually going on before it enters the real world
0: so you're dealing with people who are already using ai correct okay so that means because i don't know to me i feel like there's a portion of every industry that are very hands-on and very into AI, but then there's also a large portion that haven't really kind of scoped it out yet.
2: So, so what you just said, you may just may be really happy because that is our target customer. <laughs> like you know yeah. the the Absolutely. the uh, and John and, and and Patrick can do a better job, but I'll just say uh, you know one thing is for the people that have already created huge machine learning or AI departments, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've got all kinds of tools that they've actually either developed themselves or found on the open source and, and they're putting it all together. Yeah. It may not be perfect, but it works. But what we're finding is you have a huge market space, which is all the other people, and they can be big companies, but they just don't have a mature or a big enough AI group yet. Yeah, And, and, and instead of reinventing everything and recreating everything, Well, what we're saying is part of that, just use the taint because you'll save yourself a lot of work and a lot of effort. Uh, So our target customer is that group of, that small AI group could be within a small, medium, or huge company because we've seen all of them Mm -hmm. that that wants to scale up quickly and wants, you know, easier to use and easier to learn uh, toolkits. And that's where we come in. And I'll let Jonathan and Patrick add. Yeah, yeah,
3: I wanted to to chime in on that one. Uh, I mean, there's some interesting... Parallels to what Patrick said about curiosity and focus, right? So I think a big piece of the tool is helping people understand what's going on in mm-hmm. things that are that are complicated but also comprehensible. Mm-hmm. So I mean if you think of Patrick's background as a professor who's explaining math, right? Math can be complicated, but it it's explainable. And so there's there's a similar Aspect of understanding that happens when you're using a a debugger as a software engineer You're you're trying to understand what's going wrong with your program. You're trying to understand how to improve it You're trying to understand how to make it faster or better in some way and then you know something like a a deep neural network or an AI model uh, They're they're complicated, but they're understandable. They're comprehensible and they're especially understandable in kind of a three-dimensional way in a visual way uh, when you start seeing the concepts in those places in that kind of space all of a sudden the concepts start to make a lot more sense a lot more quickly and i can i can kind of i'm speaking from personal experience here because you know i didn't start as a machine learning developer i don't have a phd in statistics or mathematics i have a undergraduate degree in philosophy but seeing uh seeing data move through a neural network in a visual way, seeing how the intermediate information changes based on what the the model and what the algorithm is doing in a visual space, you just, you understand it almost immediately. You start to comprehend like, oh, okay, that's that's what you're talking about. Instead of like when you're looking at a series of mathematical symbols or, you know, a description of an algorithm with words, it can be really hard to understand, you know, what what all the various characters mean and what, what they all indicate, but when you see it actually happening, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, that's really actually not that complicated. And people are kind of holding holding these concepts hostage <laughs> behind uh, a very set of specialized knowledge. So, I, uh, I I mean that's part of the vision to me in the company that that Patrick really. Um, made really exciting to me was you know let's take all these things that are that are challenging for people but that are completely comprehensible and let's let's unlock that door you know let's let more people get into this and understand what's going on and and use it to accelerate their business or accelerate their own personal uh, interests or their own personal projects or whatever
0: yeah that's awesome patrick i don't know if you want to add something
3: yeah, sure. So, so I
4: guess in a few words, it's a MR machine for neural networks. I mean, uh, in a way, when we look at brains, we can use M- MRIs, and this the expert will be able to read them, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's three MRI or, or a scan. Then. The doctor will be able to read them, but you will be also able to show it to the patient or show it to other experts and also keep a log of all this. So it's going to be that that picture can travel through to so many stakeholders. So we're doing the same thing for, for AI and neural networks, which in this case, they're artificial brains. And uh, so we're basically seeing them in real time. So we're taking an image of it, or a 3D image of those neural networks. And this allows us to share with different stakeholders, which is people that have never seen a neural network or, or other experts or the, the expert, the data scientists themselves. So, so this allows, the engine allows us to share this all over uh, with a single image and something that's really dynamic. That's from one aspect. And also, we have a, more than what we can that MRIs can do. We can make those uh, shareable unit really interactive, so that people can start interacting with them. Uh, so it's kind of interactive MRI for neural networks in a way. So that's um, so this way, people are able to accelerate their um, development pipeline from the developer up to the product owner up to the client that the product owner will be seeing. So we're really making this process agile. So that's our that's our focus at the moment.
0: You guys are making it very easy for people to use AI and then share what they found with everybody. Yeah.
4: If I understood mm-hmm. correctly, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes.
0: So is it possible? And you don't have to mention any people that you're working with, but is it possible to give us a business case on how a end user would use Zetane?
2: Uh, yes of uh, one of the areas that that we're getting a lot of interest and traction in uh, is uh, anything to do with uh, uh, machine learning related to treating images or uh, videos you know anything visual and so uh so we have several cases where we've done proof of concepts and uh, uh, and converted them to actual first paying clients
5: mm-hmm. uh,
2: where they had developed uh, a standard machine learning model you know in the regular infrastructure that people typically use today whether it's python or or, or leveraging Keras or other types of tools out there
0: all these tools um, that i'm very familiar with yeah
2: yeah right so you've got like there's, <laughs> there, believe me there are a lot of them uh, and uh, yeah, and everybody links, has right everybody that's has like the their-
0: amazon and the facebook right of machine learning
2: it, pretty well. Like you've got, you know, a cup. you got two, three of the big ones. And then mm-hmm. after that, uh, you know, uh, a bunch of others. And uh, yeah. so we had clients that basically said, mm, you know, is, is it possible that your technology is tane technology is actually doing what you say it can do? And he said, yeah, of course, it's, it's our software. We know it can. So, uh, you know, one example uh, was uh, a company that was uh, looking at uh, taking satellite images and interpreting what those satellite images uh, were actually uh, 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 were in terms of what they were recognizing and then labeling those images in terms of very specific, uh, you know, uh, applications. So uh, they were in their case taking uh, pictures of uh, roofs, but the roof picture from a satellite is a 2D image. Mm And so you lose a lot of information. So So the machine learning goes through that 2D image and tries to create a label. Is it a flat roof? Is it a slanted roof? Is it multifaceted? Is, is there an entrance on the roof? Is there a hole of some sort to, to you know, if it's, a, if it's a flat accessible roof, et cetera, et cetera? Mm-hmm. And so they, they had done this algorithm. It, it, was, it, it was working to some degree, but they couldn't explain how it was actually working. And their client base needed to know how, and their developers wanted to know how so they could optimize how accurate that algorithm was. Mm -hmm. And so they were able to launch Zatane, their model in Zatane. And and as one of them said, you know, we can finally see inside our model was, was the feedback. And what that meant was that they could see how the algorithm was working in real time and how the images were being treated and interpreted and each parts of the images given a weight, if you can imagine it that way, Mm. as to what was most important to decide as to what type of roof it was, you know? And so based on that, they were able to make uh, more decisions and, uh, and, 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 and understand how to optimize their model better. But it went further than that. Apparently, I mean, this is them telling us the story. Then they took what they saw in Zatane. And these were the sort of director slash, uh, you know, group leader of the group. And they were able to walk around the company and show people that weren't that familiar with AI and and, or not believing too much in what the group was doing. And they were going around. And by the end of the day, everybody had bought into what they were doing because they were able to show non-AI experts what these complicated black boxy, you know, untrustworthy algorithms and robots and all these things that scare us <laughs> were actually doing. And so the, buy- the buy-in from the internal decision makers was crazy in just a couple of days. And then it went beyond that. Then they said, oh, could we use your platform to go to our biggest conference of the year that we were going to attend by showing people Excels and PowerPoints and spreadsheet? And instead, we'll show your, your, your the Zatane platform. And Mm -hmm. we'll show our model, you know, not in these complicated spreadsheets and graphs, but in a 3D environment that simulates the real world. So they did that and the customer feedback was amazing. So in that one example, you know, you can see the value prop, right? One, the developers got a better handle of their model and therefore make smarter decisions on how to optimize it and improve it. Then they were able to go inside the company and say, this is what we're doing. Can we get more funding and more support? And then they were able to say, now let's represent that business case to an external public of potential clients and show them why our our idea is is, is a good one and and worth considering. So that's the Zatane value prop right there.
0: Okay, so out of curiosity, I'm gonna ask what may come off as a not so smart question. Why were they using a satellite to identify roofs?
2: Well, because in there, so think of, uh, think of uh, disaster relief, okay? okay? Think of disaster relief, and you're trying to send a helicopter somewhere in the middle of a disaster zone that may have been flooded or has any kinds of issues, mm-hmm. and, and you're trying to decide, hmm, there are people on the roof, or I need to extract people, and they're all on that roof. Can I land on the roof? can I, can I send somebody on that roof? And so, you know, once you take, but all you have is a satellite image because there's no other image or you're kind (laughs) of in a disaster area. There's no communication. Maybe there's very little, you know, internet, if any at all. And so now you have a lay of the land from a satellite, but you have to interpret it into a real world sort of human way as to can I do something with that roof? Um, And so that's one example, but you could see an example in a, in a defense application, where uh, you're trying to uh, land soldiers or remove soldiers from a dangerous area, mm-hmm. and you want to know, can I can I land on a roof or can I drop people on that roof? And so, the use of satellite imagery is 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 uh, commonplace in the world of 3D and 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 so on. But it's because you know images are 2D, mm-hmm. you
5: you
2: you miss out on a lot of data, uh, and yeah. if a human had to go through all the images. It would take forever. So what you do is you use machine learning to to make a human decision, you know, at uh, exponentially faster. Uh, but because you're trusting the machine, you really, really, really want to make sure that you understand how the machine is making that decision, how that algorithm is making that decision, because you're making critical, you know, uh, 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 operational decision based on that data.
0: So that's just one yeah. example. And you're also mentioning industries that probably are already very much into ai more than other industries probably right like you said defense you know like
2: yeah but think of uh, so you could think if so if you can do the same thing with uh, you're right so if you can do the same thing with defense that same 2d image could be, could be an mri from mm-hmm. a medical machine yeah. right it could be a photo from a drone on a stadium or on a uh, or a, on a construction site uh, to to optimize operations there uh, so the concept or of or
3: transportation, self-driving car, or something like that, robotics, any of those yeah types of industries.
0: Yeah. because they're probably more into AI than, let's say, finance, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. So now finance has a huge investment in AI because yeah. they're trying, but it's a different. If it's of, not modeling, it's not. That's right. It's a different yeah. approach. And, yeah. Uh, okay. And so Jonathan has conducted the. Uh, God, he's, he's got to be near 30 or, or easily 40 uh, one-on-one interviews with uh, different uh, people and companies to really hone in on some of their problems.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
2: and he can speak to it really, really well. Like you uh, should jump in because he's got more insights on that than I do.
0: Oh, okay. Jonathan, if you want to give us some examples from your interviews?
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think what we found is that when, when the model or the algorithm that you're using has a high uh, bar to pass for being trustable, then, using Zetane is um, a valuable thing for you, so when I say trustable, I mean something that has high impact if there's a failure condition so if you think about something like um like we mentioned something like robotics, something like construction defense medicine so that's one aspect of it right the high trust and the other is mm. is um, visual so in these cases you know it, humans, we have a kind of a natural understanding or we have the ability of, of performing a human-based determination or judgment on what the neural network, what the algorithm should be outputting because we understand the context of the situation, especially an expert who might work in one of these industries who's helping in the development of a machine learning model that's going to, to augment some internal process in the business. Um, they, you know, they can look at an image, or they can look at a situation. Could be a three D simulation, some some kind of context, and they can they can understand what the network or what the algorithm should be predicting or should be telling uh, telling you the answer is. Uh, and so in those in those situations, I mean those people, not you know those experts and the people who are determining whether or not that model that AI solution should be put into the real world, you know they have a high a high bar for needing to understand why the model is making a certain kind of decision mm-hmm. and they need to be able to trust. I mean, if you, if you think about, you know, the uh, defense example or something, uh, if you imagine in a simulation context of, uh, you know, an operative or, or someone who's getting real time information and they need to make a decision now or, or a, a doctor, right. They need to make a decision. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to, to understand why an algorithm or why an AI model is, is, saying that this is the, this is the prediction or this is what the the course of action should be and so it's it's really important in the development of the models that those people the stakeholders are involved in that process and that the stakeholders are are shown what the model is doing so that they can say okay yeah that that makes sense actually okay so it seems like you you know the ml person you're you're on the right track so i mean that's we found this is where you know, our engine can really help companies. And it's not just companies that are really experienced in AI. It's companies that are just getting started in AI. It's companies that are you know, a little ways down the path. It's mm-hmm. companies that have just heard about AI and are, are interested in understanding what, what's interesting about it. And, and so the, you know, those are places where an ML developer can take, you know, they can build a model, they can show what's happening to an expert or to a decision maker at the company or to a customer. And they can say, you know, does this look like it's doing the right thing to you? And they can get that feedback and they can go and continue developing a, a better and more trustable model so that they can eventually put that model into actual production and not just have it be a, a fun research project that the team does, but but something that actually delivers value for their business.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to have to pass by your offices to come see what this model is. <laughs> I, I want to see this in action.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's I, a lot of a lot of interesting versions of, of different AI uh, models that you could see. And you could, you kind of, when you see it happen in real time, when you see it in, a, in like a three-dimensional space, you, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. That's, that's what AI is. Yeah. <laughs> <It's I'm>, like,
0: <laughs> I want to, I want to have that moment, you know, I've been yeah. hearing about AI for years and although I know a little bit about it and I, I understand genuinely, generally what you guys are telling me, I've never actually seen like a visual representation of it. So I'm yeah. interested in, in actually seeing that model. And I just want to go back a little bit. When Guillaume said that one of your customers actually used Zetain, uh to present at the conference, is it kind of like an application where you can like download the model and then show it to people? Or do you have to open Zatane in a computer, for example, and show the model?
3: You would open the model in, in Zatane
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, as a within within the engine itself or you could take what you've built in Zatane and turn it into a distributable program that other people could then run yeah so because a, i'm
0: thinking a, spreadsheet that's my point of reference yeah <laughs> so yeah,
3: you totally. know you
0: can work in a spreadsheet or you can download it or share it right yeah something. so it is
3: it is distributable in that in that way absolutely
2: yeah, and, it, and it, I was going to add, it's Guillaume, I was going to add, like, one of the things that our customers really love doing is, they, they you know, when you're going to a conference, you can actually uh, run Zetain and and make a video of it. And oh. so, it, you know, so it makes for a really compelling way of demonstrating because then you can mm-hmm. create the video right off the engine. Like, it's not, it's the engine working, but in video. Mm-hmm. And so you can have it looping. Right. And people are drawn to it because when you're seeing neural networks like, you know, in, in 3D firing and activated and, and when you're seeing images go through them and, and you see what each of the pieces of the, you know, the, the algorithm or the functions are doing to that, uh, interpreting how they're interpreting that image. Uh, it's uh, like, you, you know, some of our customers are saying, like, it's hard to get out of the team once you've been in it because you feel like you're in a completely different world. Oh my God it is like uh, Amazon it's no no I'm telling you like you said something that was when you said you know i'm I, I'm you know you're you don't have an ex, you're not an expert in AI mm-hmm. and so a lot of the people that have seen your platform have said, well, you guys should certainly try to market it to the whole educational field because it's so much easier to see something and understand it when you're able to visualize what's going on, right so yeah. Uh, You know, like uh, I've seen this so many times, Patrick or Jonathan will sit you in front of the platform, like somebody that doesn't have much of an expertise. And by the time, you know, five minutes are over, they go, "Okay, now I get AI, you know, and I get machine learning because I get it. I see what's happening. But if I show you a bunch of code and a bunch of data, you're going to go, well, that doesn't help me. And so so there's a there's a natural fit to education and, and, and there's a natural fit. So to the clients that we're doing proof of concepts with. There's a natural fit to get engineers and developers that are not AI experts, but they're smart technical people Mm -hmm. uh, to ramp up quickly on machine learning through a platform like
5: Zatane.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I kind of just want to shift gears here a little bit and go back to kind of how you grew the company. So before you said that you, you all quit your jobs two years ago, you got your proof of concept then what were the next steps? How did you how did you grow the company into what it is today? Well, I think
2: the first major step was mm. to to get committed to it. So, like you said, quitting our jobs and focusing only on on Zotain. And by the way, when the, you know the guys are being humble, uh, that there was no salaries involved when they quit their jobs, to jump into Zatane. So, so it's a major commitment, right? Because you're not bringing mm. any money home. It's not there was no money. Like it was just us working. Uh, and so the first hurdle in most startups is can you interest anybody in giving you money, whether it's a grant or a loan, or it doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. And so the first hurdle was really to get that first money. And, and we, we, were, uh, we were supported by, uh, uh, by two programs. One was the uh, through the Quebec Innovation Program for mm-hmm. startups. We got money to actually validate our uh, intellectual property. So, you know, IP lawyers can be expensive. The good ones, you know, yeah. for, for, for obvious reasons are, are expensive, but they're very good. And we wanted to go with, you know, the best. So we, we, we did that. And so we were able to get funding to pay for that to advance our IP uh, along the way. And I'm talking about validating the IP, making sure that there was no infringement, making sure that we had a valid, you know, a valid technology. So that was one grant. Uh, the second grant was from uh, the uh, federal side through the uh, federal uh, funding uh, where we got. Uh, so the first one was about 40000 The second one that I'm just talking about was $50,000, which helped us with technical resources. So we were able to hire our first, our number one, uh, what we call the number one uh, employee outside of the three of us.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: And so with another complementary skill set. And uh, and it also allowed us to start paying not much, but a little bit of salary to uh, to Jonathan and Patrick because it had been several months. <laughs> uh, so uh, so they graduated from bread and water to mac and cheese.
5: Uh,
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's peanut butter. Hey,
0: improvement is improvement, right? <laughs>
2: And so I would say those were the first sort of hurdles that, that, that showed that people believed in what we were doing.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: and then after that, it became, you know, are we getting you know potential clients interested? And uh, the good news is every time we went to a meeting, we'd always be invited back to a second or a third.
5: Mm-hmm. And so that's
2: always a good sign, right? It's not like yeah. people look at you and say, get out of my office or you're wasting my time, which you're always nervous about. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, even with my experience, you're going in there going, I don't want to waste people's time, right? And, uh, and so we had very good uh, listening from uh, people that were either experts at what they were doing in AI or, you know, people that want to get into AI. We always got invited back. So that was sort of the second, you know, real test, right? We're not wasting our time. Uh, there is a need, um, and I think for me the the third one was uh, getting accepted. So we got accepted into the Creative Destruction Lab AI program uh, back in October, which is a highly competitive program in Canada, w- running out of Toronto and Montreal, but it's a global competition where they handpick a handful of, of companies mm-hmm. uh, to go through uh, several months. Uh, where you get access to top mentors, technical, uh, business, and uh, investors. And uh, and so being part of that cohort was another test. And I would say the final test was what we announced a couple of weeks ago, which was the half a million dollar uh, uh, loan that we got from uh, DDC and uh, PME Montreal, uh, West Island.
0: Congratulations, guys.
2: Thank you. Yes. I didn't
0: tell you yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that was- awesome. So, cause I, I think everybody is going to be wondering while you were having your mac and cheese and peanut butter, how, how did you guys get through that? How long did that take to get out of not being paid? Like that's, that's tough to, to leave your job and something that's comfortable to not having a salary and, and literally just hoping that things work out.
2: Well, I'll tell you that the period was February to, uh, to, uh, to September, I think the first Pay that the, the guy started getting was October, if I'm not mistaken, and I'll let them talk to the pain of that.
3: <laughs> yeah, yep. I mean, I, for me, it's it's like a very necessary pain, right? Like it's people would say you want to be hungry, <laughs> right? Like literally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's that's very literal,
3: <laughs> right? Like you know, if you're if you're not able to figure out how to to generate money, I mean, you're not a business, you're a, a nice hobby a nice stressful hobby I guess but you know it's it's like your whole your whole goal is building something that provides value for people and then in return you know that value can can come back to you in some ways as as not macaroni right you know it's a it, it it's it's like you know you, there's no there's no like back padding for for starting a company, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Cause you, you just saying, oh, you know, like I founded something, I'm an entrepreneur, like doesn't mean anything. You haven't yeah. done anything. And so there's- well, there, uh...
4: <laughs> well, there's also like a one thing that we have to, to really say is that we have really, really supportive wives and- family. Oh yeah, that's so, true, so let's, yeah. I mean, uh, my wife has been like incredibly supportive in every step of the way and I, yeah. So, so from that point of view, like, um, That's why I I could go for the peanut butter and not just like, yeah, you know, water. Water.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think every entrepreneur kind of has that fear when they make the jump. So they're probably wondering like, oh, I'm in a similar situation. At what point do I consider leaving my comfort zone and actually focusing full-time on the business that I want to grow?
3: Yeah, I've seen other people say kind of like... uh... You know, and I I I kind of agree with this, which is if you're if you're just doing it as a as a part time thing, right? You you always have this in your mind. It's like you always have an escape, and you've always got this out of like, oh, you know, well, you know, if the company doesn't work, I'll you know, you know, I'm applying to grad school, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. like that that kind of that thing in your mind where you're like, you have this backup plan, (laughs) and like if to me, it's like if you really want to be successful, you got to throw that backup plan away, and you got to fully you have to feel the pain of like, of if this thing goes, goes down, like it's all, there is no back. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's not like the most strategic or personally <laughs> smart thing, but if there's something you believe in and uh, you, yeah. just, you have, you have to go all the way.
0: Yeah. You're going to give it your all. So I kind of want to get into more detail about the funding, how, did you know that these funds were available for your specific industry and what you were working on? And if so, how does one go about getting funding for their business?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the fact that I was involved in in ecosystem uh, for, for years, I, I certainly knew where, where the money, uh, uh, was mm-hmm. uh, and I think one of the challenges that a lot of younger entrepreneurs have is is they get sort of directed in too many directions as to how to get funding
5: mm-hmm.
2: um, and uh, and and you know beyond money I, I've always said this to 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 my team here to uh, you know when we talk with uh, with Patrick and Jonathan and I certainly say it to all the teams I've coached. You know, beyond money, it's it's your time that's your most valuable resource because you know you can always survive on on bread and water, but you only have so many hours in a day, mm-hmm. and so where you spend that time as an entrepreneur is is crucial to your ability to survive. And so, you know, finding the different sources of funding uh, was uh, w- was an important part of that. Now, uh, the other mistake. So we were able to focus on two or three. Like I said, we looked, we knew that uh, I knew there were programs around IP. And Patrick had, had done some work there as well, so we were able to convince him that this was a, you know, a worthwhile company. Uh, because this was early; I mean, we we were, in fact, at that point, I, I don't even think we had uh, we had just quit. So I mean, we were just early, early days, mm-hmm. and uh, and we were able to convince you know people with our team that we were a credit credible team with a credible IP, and we needed that money to secure that IP uh, in in Quebec. So that was one thing. Uh, in parallel, you know, you always try to have two or three avenues of funding because you don't know which one's going to come in. Uh, so don't put all your eggs in one basket. So we had two or three different viable funding uh, approaches, and the one that kicked in was were the ones that I that I talked about.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and uh, and so that was that, that was part of it. The other thing is is it's there's two things, right? There's knowing which funding to go and get. And then they're selling your story, and and the story of each fund is very different. You know when you're, when you're, and I don't want to use the word pitching because it's not necessarily a pitch. But when you're when you're trying to secure a fund from a Quebec, uh, uh, you know, a provincial sort of a funding group, uh, you mm-hmm. have to present something that's appealing to Quebec. You know that is true because it's your story, but is relevant to Quebec. Uh, when you're pitching to uh, you know, uh, uh, more of a federal funding group, you have to pitch slightly differently because you're trying to create the value proposition that, that resonates with them. More recently, when we uh, secured the PM Memorial and the BTC money, well, you know, their, their raison d'etre, their reason for being is different than the other two. So you've mm-hmm. got to understand what that is and, and present that story accordingly. Um, and so, so to me, it's it's a progressive. It's pick pick your battles. Have a couple of parallel paths, but more importantly, adapt your story to each of those 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 funding agencies. Uh, we were trying to stay, and we've continued to try to stay non dilutive funding, which means you know getting money that doesn't. Uh, reduce
1: our equity in the business for as long as possible for a while for the school and i'm going through my, my I, t- I took my old numbers and moved my new new sim card because like you know I, I got a new number every year started cleaning up clean up numbers and you know back in college remember like you like name people certain things you're like oh uh laura linkedin right <laughs> yeah <You know>, like
0: <laughs> that's how you were on my phone
1: right 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 Marcus right so, <laughs> right exactly so hers is uh sarah hot Milha- she's persian sarah hot Milha- persian okay so <laughs> So I see, her and I was working, uh I was, uh, I was cooking noodles at a festival for my parents, a food cart. And I see a number. I'm like, oh, let me just text her.
5: Mm-hmm. Hey, how's
1: it going? She calls me. This is the first time she's ever called. This is like four years later, okay?
5: Mm-hmm.
1: She calls me. I answer, her and I'm like, hello? And she's like, hey, who is this? New number, right? So I'm like, oh, hey, it's it's Marcus Chan. Hey, how's it going? Can, uh how are you, <laughs> right? It's like super awkward now, right? So she's like, oh, hey, how's it going? I'm like, okay, hey, um, and we're just kind of talking about she's She just came back from Spain, for going to school there. And I'm like, oh, and she's like, hey, I'm like, she's like, I'm actually moving back to Eugene, Oregon. That's where I live at the time. Eugene, Oregon next week. I'm like, oh, hey, cool. Hey, do you want some help moving? I can help you move your department if you want some help, you know? She's like, oh, that'd be awesome. I'll call you Saturday. Awesome. Fast forward to Saturday, never calls. Sunday she calls, right? Hey, super, sorry. You know, I, I got busy. My mom came to help, you know, it didn't need to help at all. So they find, we should still hang out. I'm like, sure. At this point, I'm like, I'm like, whatever. This is like four years in the making. I'm like, whatever. It's fine. So we go get some ice cream at Coldstone Creamery. I don't think it's a Coldstone up there. Coldstone Creamery ice cream place. Yeah. So we get some ice cream. We hang out. I'm blown away. She's super smart, beautiful, the whole, you know, like nine yards. I mean, she had like a 4.1 GPA, speaks five languages, you know, all these things. I'm like, okay. All right. And then we actually just became really good friends over the next six months, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, multiple times I tried to, uh, go, you know, push it more with a friend and she just said no each time. Right. So it really took quite a bit of time until finally spring 2007, you know, <laughs> is when we officially started actually kind of seeing each other. So it took about four or five years to get, to get that point, but that by not giving up though, right. Mm-hmm. That allowed us to start dating and ultimately at that point, we have another couple of couple years end up getting married and, you know, we been able to, you know, build a really nice life together as a result, right. By not giving up. Right. And that applies to everything, whatever you do. Right. You know, like don't be a stalker obviously, but you yeah. know, you, can, you <laughs> push hard, you can find a way to make a lot of things, you know, happy in your life.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. That was a great story to end off this interview. Yeah. So thank you so much, Marcus, for, giving us all of your wisdom and uh, and that awesome story too so thank you
1: thanks for having me on it's an absolute pleasure
0: before ending this episode i just want to summarize some of the key takeaways from my conversation with marcus you may have noticed that marcus has come a long way since working at his parents restaurant and It's just a great reminder that you can achieve your goals. You just have to give yourself time to develop your skills and apply it in the real world. And that's exactly what Marcus did. He taught himself how to do sales. He applied it for 14 years in corporate America and then he went out and created his own business. Also, what I love about this interview is, yes, Marcus is in sales and that's what he's known for, but we barely talk about sales because I just wanted to get to know the mindset for someone to achieve all this success. One thing he did say was, you have to follow a routine schedule as an entrepreneur or else it's really easy to get nothing done. And as I keep talking to entrepreneurs, the same concept comes up over and over again which means, you know, it must be important. If this is one thing that a lot of successful entrepreneurs do, the rest of us need to consider it. So routine is key. Giving yourself time to develop your skills and applying them and just making sure you're always getting better. I know he said a lot of great other things, but those two were my favorites. So thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next week.